Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 24 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbonis, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Bob Lucius. Bob, Mr. Lucius, good day. Hey, how's it going today, Rick? Doing well, doing All well. Right. All right. We're here to talk about the Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode number four, and joining us in this episode is Mr. Heath Brown, who is uh, one of our fantastic moderators on our Captain America Combo Fans Facebook page. So, Heath, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot going on in episode four. Wowzers. Uh, we had one heck of an ending. Uh, and we also have one heck of a beginning. Let's uh, let's start there, guys. Um so we open up and it's six years ago and we're in Wakanda and we have Bucky Barnes, uh, otherwise known as White Wolf there. And he's with Io, uh, who is um, one of the elite uh, Dara Malaja. And so she's there. Um, basically, it looks like a final test to see if Bucky has broken his programming as the Winter Soldier. And it's quite an emotional scene. Um, he's, I mean, wow, Sebastian Stan, you know, a nice little Emmy, uh, you know, I, I think he should be up for on that little scene right there. I mean, uh, quite the emotional scene where he is going through, um, going through hearing uh, Io talk about the, the, the code words and he's having flashbacks and you can see the emotion. You can see the fear, the angst, the tears. And then um, he breaks down. And then after that, the, the joy, the joy, as she's saying to him, you are free. You are free. What an opening scene, guys. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I, you know, I love that scene. I think you're right. Stan's uh, his, his, his acting was was just spot on, uh, but from a character perspective, um, it shows sort of the depth of connection he now has with Wakanda, and I really do hope we see that play out more, not just in the remaining two episodes, but uh, you know, and, and wherever the uh, the cinematic universe goes forward, I, I'd love to see that uh, that sort of bond that he has now as the White Wolf with Wakanda explored more fully. Yeah, and I. Uh really had never gotten the impression just how deep that connection went, you know, from the MCU movies. And I thought it was a really powerful performance and just really great to see. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And then it, it's a nice transition to present day because here he is, um, you know, the, the current version of Bucky uh, talking with Io. She's questioning, you know, why, why did you set Zemo free? And then uh, the, she gives him a deadline. You, you, all right, you have eight hours. And then uh, the rest of the show is, is uh, part of those eight hours and what they do. Um, so then we get to uh, Zemo, um, who because uh, he's talking with uh, Sam, and he's talking with Bucky. And then the subject comes up, which I think is a, it was a big topic for this particular episode. But I think it's a subject overall in this series. And that is... Uh, do the ends justify the means? 
and they start talking uh, about Zemo brings up the the subject of um, calling Carly, who is the uh, leader of the the Flag Smashers, a supremacist, and um, basically warns Sam, saying, "Look, you're you're seeing something that isn't there anymore, and um, anyone who's on that serum is on that path, and and that's." Obviously, yeah, it's, that's his view. Uh, Sam's got his, um, that he's still trying to see the good in her and wants to reason with her. And we see that scene later. And we'll talk about that. But I, I think that the whole subject of being uh, a supremacist, um, you know, is, is really front and center. You know, I was, what I was going to say is, uh, you know, I, I think it was curious that Zemo made one. He, he, he accepted one exception to that rule. And, uh, and I was surprised uh, that he admitted that Rogers was an exception. Yes. He said touche, but then he looked at Sam and said, but there hasn't been another, another Steve and, and, and the little eyebrow raise that Sam gave him, <laughs> uh, you know, is that at that comment? Yeah. Well, and it, it goes back to the saying, you know, that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And I think that's just kind of Zemo's worldview there going in is that they need to limit the amount of people or, you know, keep people from getting their hands on it because people will be corrupted by it eventually. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a good quote uh, outside of the series. Cause that is, you know, from the comic books too. And it takes me back to that, that scene where we have John Walker and Lamar uh, kind of at a table and they're, they're, uh, looks like they're, at, I don't know, like an airport or something. And, um, they're just standing there at a table and, and that's when John asks Lamar, you know, would you, would you take the serum? Because at this point he has it and no one knows he has it. So he, he questions Lamar cause he trusts Lamar. Lamar is that voice of reason for him and has been for many years. So he asks him and, and of course Lamar said, hell's yeah. I'd take it in a minute and, and talks about how they could have saved more people if they had done that. But to, to get back to your quote, Heath, um, I think what Lamar says is power just makes a person more themselves. Right. And then he, and he says, you know, look at Steve, look at Carly. Yeah. That was a great, great throwback to, to Dr. Erskine. Right. Yes. The, uh, in, in the first Avenger, I thought that was just masterfully played, but I think it's also interesting that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Sam said he wouldn't take the super soldier serum. No, you're right. Yeah. Sam, Sam, when questioned by Zemo, uh, didn't hesitate. And, and yeah. Zemo even said that, you know, you didn't yeah. even hesitate. That, I mean, uh, so that's quite a juxtaposition and, uh, that's, that's definitely worth exploring. I think, you know, I kind of pointed out or kind of accentuated something you had said in one of the uh, Facebook posts a while back about how, you know, Lamar was serving as sort of an advisor or mentor to Walker, that Walker really went to him. That really kind of solidified that in my mind that, you know, that uh, it was really someone that he looked up to, you know, in that particular scene. Yeah. You know, I wonder if like, if, if at that point when he was asking Lamar, if he had already taken the, the serum, yeah. Yeah. We don't know when he took it. Um, right. You know, I mean, we saw him uh, at that scene at the end with Lamar, like where they burst through the door. Uh, but he's been busting through a lot of doors with that shield anyway. So I don't know if he had it at that even at that moment or did he take it when he got separated from Lamar? Um, 
you know, because there was a, there was a moment where he was off camera. Um, you would think that wasn't what happened because the way Carly described it before, like they they felt on fire. They felt like they're going to die. There seemed to be a transitional phase. So we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, going back to that sort of mentor mentee role, I mean, I, I, I was struck, you know, from the beginning that uh, John Walker is, uh, he's a captain in this, you know, and uh, what, what we, uh, the, the rank system in 03 and in Hoskins is a sergeant major. I mean, he's been around a long time. He, he, he earned that voice of wisdom. I mean, that wisdom is, comes from experience that Walker doesn't have. So, uh, you know, I, I know there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, People, folks, folks believe that, you know, Hoskins is dead. I'm, I'm not so sure he's dead yet. Well, we're, we it certainly seems that way. It uh, seems that I mean, way. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe he, he is alive. Maybe uh, he'll be back. Maybe he's paralyzed. Maybe who knows? Um, but at this point, I, I think they're alluding that he's died. And, and of course, uh, let's just, let's just get to it. Let's just talk about that last scene. Um, so, you know, at that point, uh, John, snaps right and he's already over the course of the last few episodes shown that he's having a hard time living up to that that shield and and being in steve's shoes um and that the pressure's been getting to him um but then uh you know right there at the end um when he thinks that uh lamar is dead um that he just he snaps And, and it was actually really really cool because i uh um the soundtrack at that moment, um, the music that was playing was almost like a buzzing noise that was getting louder and louder and louder. So it was, it was, it was kind of almost like we were inside John Walker's head and uh, you could, you could just, it was like he was, you could feel, you know, him, him turning at that moment. Uh, It was, it was a really powerful scene. And then of course, you know, he chases down one of the, one of the flag smashers um, and uh, he, he knocks the guy down. Um, he has him, he has him at an advantage. Uh, the guy's basically captured, um, but John doesn't stop there. And um, it, it appears that he killed him. Uh, and, uh, and of course, the, the title of the episode is The Whole World is Watching. Yeah. Well, and I, I would, I would, you know, back up a bit. I mean, that that beatdown he got at the hands of uh, of uh, in, in Zemo's apartment, um, and the embarrassment and the shame that uh, you know that he exhibited not only in his behavior but in his words when he said they weren't even super soldiers. That Doro Malaja. Yeah, um, that was palpable, right? Yeah. Yeah, he said they weren't even uh, super soldiers. And at that point, my fiance turned to me and said, and they were women. Do you think that bothered him as well? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to go down that path. I, 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 you know, maybe that was just a, I don't know, another nail in the coffin, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, he was certainly embarrassed. Yeah. That one scene where uh, Io threw the spear and it went through the straps of Walker's shield without hitting his arm and kind of nailed him to the table was something that, you know, that level of skill is something I don't think we've seen from them yet in the movies. And it was just really kind of solidified how powerful and how skilled of warriors they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, uh, 
you know, they, they said, or Io said in the beginning, when, um, when she was in the present day and talking with, with, with uh, the white wolf, um, she reminds him that, you know, they were the guard of, of King Dechaka. And so, you know, not only was it their loss, it was their shame. And so that's something that they've, they've always had to live with. And so, um, you know, they're, they're certainly out there on, on a, a vengeance. And in getting back to that, that scene, uh, that battle in, in Zemo's apartment with, with them, one of the things that I found, found interesting um, was when she, Ayo, her uh, lack of a better word, disarms Bucky, right? And uh, takes off the mechanical arm that the Wakandans had provided him, uh, and and the look of shock and and almost hurt on James' face as he was looking at her. Um, and I don't want to make fun because, um, you know, to anyone who has a prosthetic, I can imagine what that's like. Uh, or I'm sorry, I can't imagine what that's like. You know what I mean? Just just having uh, something like that taken. And um, so the look on his face. And then what Ayu says to him. And the first time I, I, I couldn't unmake it out because all I heard was something Wakandan and then James, she says. But then uh, I go back and she says, Bast, damn you, James. Now, Bast, I had to look up. That's the panther god, right? So she was basically taking the panther god and saying, damn you. And then she called him James. In the beginning of the episode, she called him White Wolf. But at this point, he was no longer the White Wolf. She called him by James. Is that something that is tipping the hand of how they feel about him now? Or or am I making too much of this? I don't know. I hadn't caught that until you mentioned it just now, but that is a very good point. And it does seem to be kind of, uh, you know, kind of implicates that he's diminished in their minds now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, I, it, it, I honestly, uh, I mean, I, I, I love that whole fight scene. T- to me, uh, you know, there were so many levels to it. I'm not sure that either Sam or Bucky were quite honestly fighting to win um, because, you know, uh, not in the same way that Walker was. Uh, I think, every, you know, they were pulling their punches a bit. Um, but I think, you know, the, I obviously felt betrayed by, by Bucky. And, and I think in that moment, Bucky felt betrayed as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, right? Um, Zemo gets away. Right. So, you know, for all the skill in fighting, uh, they let him get away. Well, I mean, that wouldn't, it would, <laughs> that advances the story. Well, it does. It, it advances right. the plot. Yeah. But yeah, but it was fun noticing in the beginning um, that like, they're not big fans of John Walker, right? So the fact that they were coming in here and they're, they're beating him down, I mean, they're kind of now Sam, Sam was like, you know, he was like, oh, you know, Bucky, 
you know, like, shouldn't we get in this? And, 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 and Bucky's, he, he just has this, he has, what's he say? He says, looking strong, John. Right. He's like mocking him. Right. And then, uh, which I thought was funny. And then, and it wasn't until um, the Dora Malaja uh, take the, the pointy ends of their spears and are, it looks like they're about to, to, you know, to kill or maim or whatever. Then Sam and Bucky come in and grab the spears, you know, before that can happen. Um, so yeah, were they pulling their punches? Yeah. Cause they didn't want to really fight them. They were just really trying to stop John and Lamar from uh, getting, you know, impaled. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, we'll see how this, uh, you know, it, again, like you said, it, it, I mean, much of this is to advance the storyline and, and we still have a couple episodes left. Um, but yeah, it does seem, I don't know. I, you know, to me, it just seemed a bit overrun. I get that they're upset. They've been shamed that uh, Zemo is out and walking about, but uh, with as skilled assassins as, uh, as they potentially could be, they perhaps could have taken care of Zemo before this, if it had been that, that vitally important. So I don't know. To me, it, I love the fighting. I love the action, but there was something about that scene and his escape that, that left me a bit empty. You know, I kind of, seen the Dora Milaje as being more of bodyguards and protectors rather than assassins. So I don't know if they were really, you know, were they really out for blood or was this more just doing what they had to do to get to Zemo? Right. I mean, I saw it as them, they were there to take Zemo back to Wakanda to give it Wakanda justice. I didn't see them as coming to assassinate Zemo and they failed and he got away. Um, but who knows? Um, so let's, let's get back to, uh, to Zemo. Uh, I don't know about you, but I thought, um, it was a very creepy scene when the three of them go to, uh, look down, I mean, to hunt down, um, uh, the, the aunt who passed away. Right. And, um, uh, he comes walking up and he starts, reciting Baba Black Sheep. And that was creepy. I mean, it's just so creepy that he gets the stool and he puts the candy on it. And like, it was like, this is, this is like a horror movie, you know, like, you know, don't take candy from strangers, kids. Like, what are you doing here? Uh, it was, that was a creepy scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Daniel Brule is just such an amazing actor. You know, I'd never seen him before he, started playing Zemo and I've only seen him in a couple other things now other than Marvel and he's just just delivers a powerhouse performance and really gets you into that sinister mind of the character every time he plays it right yeah I mean then you know of course he mentions like oh uh Turkish delights uh they they were the favorite of my son and you're reminded you're reminded of his loss and where he's motivated to do all this because i don't know about you but when when carly dropped those serums and he walks up and he says is this what i think it is and then you know you see the look of horror on her face uh i mean you you wondered at a moment you know oh man oh no is is he going to inject himself but he is for lack of anything else he is a man of his principle he really does hate 
super soldiers. He hates the super serum. And he, he talks about that as, as, you know, something that anyone on, on the serum is, is on that path of being a supremacist. Uh, so to his credit, do we, do we, do we want to say that to his credit, he destroys it rather than take it himself. I was surprised as well. I, I thought for sure we were going to see Zemo, a superpowered Zemo, which I, I think would have been awesome. But I think it's, yeah, it is even more awesome that he uh, he stuck to his principles and uh, and didn't cross that line himself, even when afforded the opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you guys on that one. And when that one vial got away and Walker found it, it was just like, okay, I know exactly where this is going because... I've read the comic series that this is based on, you know, the comic, uh, the run, right. if you will. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I would say, you know, that, that scene that you, you, you started with, with the Baba Black Sheep and, and, the, and the Turkish Delight, you know, reminded me of that scene. I'm sure you remember the, um, the cinematic version of the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And it was, it was Turkish Delight that yeah. the White Witch used to entice Ed, Edmund. I forgot well. about that. Yeah. So, good callback. You know, so, I mean, I, I love that. And, uh, and he's just, you know, the character is written so smoothly, right? I mean, this guy, you know, and I know you were going to give me a little bit of a hard time uh, because we talked you know, in, in the group, there were some posts about this and, and I'm not exactly sold a hundred percent on Sam so far on, on the way the so characters so far are. so here i thought your comment in the facebook pages i just thought you were talking about this episode but you're saying so far of this series yeah i mean i i not so much the the most recent episode the previous episodes we talked about prior that i he he seems at sometimes a bit out of the element right he's he's a military guy he doesn't have the worldly experience uh that uh, bucky does or zemo does or sharon does and he oftentimes seems a bit well, lost, right? I mean, when he was portraying the smiling tiger, I mean, who who doesn't put their phone on silence when they're going, you know, into into an op? I mean, just little things along. He seems he seems out of his depth sometimes. But really, I thought he sh- he really did shine in this most recent episode, uh, and he had a very Steve Rogers quality to him because rather than fight, he wanted to talk at least to see if there could be another solution than <laughs> than violence. Yeah, right. I thought and, that was beautiful. Okay, you redeemed yourself a little bit with that comment. All right. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I would, I would argue, as far as out of his element, that in that scene, he was the one that was most in the element, right? Because he was the one who has experience, um, you know, dealing with uh, veterans that have been gone through trauma. Um, and so he took the right approach and even, even Lamar had to just kind of pause for a minute there and go, you know what, John, let, you know, maybe we could do this. And I thought that scene where he went in and and he, he disarmed her in a way where, you know, she felt comfortable enough to talk with him and he, and he was doing it in, um, just a really smart fashion. I thought because he was, he was doing some things to disarm her, meaning having his hands down by his side, walking up, um, sitting next to her, and even turning his back to her a little bit, right, to show vulnerability, saying, I trust you. Uh, and, and when you do that, it, 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 you know, so he was, 
he was almost playing some psychological games there with some of his body language because he 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 was in his element. He's he's worked with people before who have been through trauma. And, he, you know, he did talk and he said, look, I understand what you're going through. He said, but, you know, the 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 difference is that um, he said, I agree with your fight, just not the way you're doing it. And and then he he mentioned to her, um, uh, you know, when he, about being a supremacist. And she was like, well, I'm I'm doing it for these reasons. And he says um, he said, and I'm trying to make the world a better place. And he says to her, it's not a better place if you're killing people. It's just different. And I thought so. So one kudos to Sam. I think Sam was doing a great job. Um, number two. It brings me back to what I said in the beginning of this episode, and that is, uh, you know, the ends justify the means. I think I think there's all this, you know, we, we talk about how Zemo um, showed some character in not taking the, the serum. John showed some weakness in taking the serum, which is a polar opposite of of what the, you know, you would expect from these characters. Um, you have uh, everybody thinks they're everybody thinks they're the uh not the villain right i mean you go back to ultron you go back to thanos right everybody thinks they're doing things for the right reason uh you know carrie thinks she's doing things for the right reason zemo thinks he's doing things for the right reason i think sam is the one constant i think sam is the one who's is the one you know that is now that Steve's not here, is almost like that moral center. So I, I don't know. I, I, I love how he's been characterized in this series, which, I, you know, maybe is a little different from what you think. Yeah. No, I think we're, you know, we're, we're uh, not 100% aligned, but we're, we're closely aligned. And I will say, I think it's interesting how they have sort of tried to, uh, you know, um, you recall that in the, in, the, in the comics, Sam was uh, sort of uh, a community activist, uh, and counseled kids and did mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And I like how they've sort of translated that over into the cinematic universe with him being a counselor for, for uh, former military folks, veterans. I think that mm-hmm. that's a nice, a smooth translation for that skill set. Yeah. And how about uh, Carly bringing Sam's family into this mm-hmm. when she called his sister and kind of made some not quite direct threats, but, you know, certainly ominous statements to her. Yeah, no, she uh, she crossed the line. She crossed the line there, and she she doesn't see it. She doesn't see it uh, as far as uh, that's concerned. Um, and then when she had that, when they went to go get the the hidden serum, and she's having the conversation with um, the other flag smasher. I can't remember his name, but he was ultimately the one that was killed. Um, and they they say, you know, back back when Captain America was around, you know, back then, you know, the world, you know, you had the good and the bad. Um, and so now it's more complicated. And so then they start talking. He starts describing Carly. But in my mind, he was describing Sam. He said, you know, that um, that we need someone who understands their pain. Someone who looks like them. And then he 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 lost me because then he said, and in the world's more complicated because heroes don't have the luxury of keeping their hands clean. And I see. I think that's where where the gray comes in, right? Before it was black and white, and so I think one of the things that we're building toward, and we have been, you know, in my mind, been building towards this since the very beginning, 
which was smart, which was Sam taking the shield and Sam becoming Captain America, right? Because this this story to me is is mostly Sam's journey and Bucky's journey, but mostly Sam's journey because at the end of of um, Endgame, Steve knows Sam's worthy of the shield. He wants him to take it, but Sam has self doubts. Sam doesn't feel like he can can and 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 on top of that, let's just break away from the story here. On top of that, we have um, the Marvel Universe, which Sam Wilson in the comics, and there's all this you know social media backlash, not my cap, you know. And so it's almost like Disney says, hmm, maybe we're not ready for Sam to be Captain America right away. Maybe we need a story, a buffer in between. Maybe we need to have someone else come that that people think looks like what Captain America should look like. And then by the end of this series, we're all going to say, you know what? Sam should have kept the shield. Sam's the perfect person for Captain America. And I think that's that's where this how this story has been playing out beautifully. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we're nearing uh, the end of the series, I believe two more episodes left, there's definitely a lot of loose ends yet to be tied up. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they're going with all these different plot threads. Yeah, let's talk about some loose ends here, right? So uh, Sharon. You know, Sharon's had a very small role in the series. Um, you know, last episode, you know, episode three, you know, is really when she was, you know, forefront in, in, in but nothing in one or two and, and very little in four. So I think I think we're going to see some more of her in five and six. Um, I think, you know, uh, is, you know, is Sharon the power broker? You know, is she playing both sides? Um, is she disillusioned from what happened to her and, and being on the run? Um, you know, that's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, and I, I I'm very very curious about this uh, global repatriation council, and uh, I, you know, they it's always in the background. And I the last episode I think was particularly interesting because every now and again they showed a uh, sort of a, one of the GRC propaganda posters on a wall somewhere. Which uh, which I found fascinating. So I'm 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 interesting to see this. I mean, this it could very well be just a sort of a throwaway plot point, but but it seems like it might be more important uh, and more central to the story than than they really have led on so far. Well, speaking of that, um, there was that scene early on in, in the episode uh, where the flag smashers are listening to the radio, and it's they talk about the Patch Act, which is designed to restore traditional border regulations and fast track the return to normalcy. So I think, I think that's going to play out uh, beyond this series as well. I think that's going to expand further into the MCU. Yeah. And you know, and it might've been my imagination, uh, but it was in the previous episode where uh, Carly and the flag smashers were at the airport loading supplies on the plane. And one of the flag smashers said, the power brokers are coming. I'll go hold them off. Um, and the guy that got out of the car that was on the phone, I could have, uh, uh, I would have sworn that he was on one of the posters. Hmm. And when you mentioned the Patch Act, hmm. I, I don't know if it's a subtle nod or maybe it's just a coincidence, but, you know, Madripoor is a major place in uh, the series, at least in one episode so far. 
Madripoor was the birthplace of Wolverine, and Wolverine was also known as Patch. How about that? Yeah, nice and old nod. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so I, I want to come back to uh, that last scene um, or penultimate scene when Walker, he's like, he, he's not given the full 10 minutes and he goes up and it looks like he's about to, to fight Bucky, right? It, when he puts his head down, you almost expect him to put his head up and like, you know, attack, but he didn't. He didn't. Instead, he says to Bucky, he says, do you really want your partner's blood on your hands? And then is that, was that a little foretelling to how Walker feels if, if Lamar is dead, that his partner's blood is on his hands? I mean, that's a good, that's a great question, right? Because uh, that was, that's a whole situation was largely avoidable. And, um, and so who's, who's, who else's hands would Lamar's blood be on? There has to be some, some guilt there. They've, they've survived a lot together and, and that's, that's where they ended up and who else, who else gets the blame for that? So it's a, it's some self-questioning maybe. Right. And Sam said to Zemo back in the apartment too, he said, blood isn't always the solution. So uh, another, another feather in Sam's cap, as far as, uh, uh, being the voice of reason. All right, we have just a couple minutes left. Let's hear some uh, some predictions and how we think the last two uh, episodes are going to go. Heath? Well, I definitely do think that uh, Sharon is the power broker. And I don't know if I'm ready to predict this or not, but if you remember in the Captain series from or storyline from the comic book series, it turned out that Red Skull was kind of pulling the strings at the end. And since we do know that Red Skull is back alive in the MCU and he didn't have any interactions with Cap, I'm kind of wondering if maybe he might play into this somehow. I thought he was just a spirit. Is he back alive? Did I miss something? I, I I don't know. That's that's that is that's that's a hail mary pass right there. He I, I would I'd love to see it. I would yeah. love to see it, brother. I would too. I would love to see Red Skull back. You know, but I I do think you know my my prediction is that there's something bigger and fishier going on with the GRC, and I don't know what it is. And I I'm not saying it's Hydra, but there's something fishy about that, and and it's going to lead to something. All right. Uh, I I don't have anything better to add other than i don't think my prediction that zemo's the power broker is coming gonna gonna come true so that's it uh that's it on my end this, this so, is the candy, candy broker yes yes all right well he thanks so much for joining uh we really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your thoughts in the episode oh thank you for having me it was a lot of fun all right we'll see you back on the facebook pages thanks again all right another falcon and winter soldier in the books uh we will be back next sunday with our reaction to episode number five i can't wait for that one. Oh my yeah. gosh it's gonna be uh, a lot of fallout yeah you know it's you know the, the energy the action the intrigue it's all picking up so uh it's only gonna get uh, more fast-paced and uh more surprises probably as we go Probably. And I hear there's supposed to be, you know, an upcoming big cameo. So. Well, you know, here's a prediction. Here's my prediction. We're going to get uh, Chris Evans is an old 
Steve Rogers. Oh, my, my God. I'm, yeah, that's almost too much for me to hope for. Rick. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. You, know, you know, my expectations are going to be going to be up there. My hopes could be dashed. I mean, this could be the start of a very, very dark couple weeks for me if this doesn't transpire. So thank you for that. I was just hoping for, you know, I don't know, somebody more run of the mill. I, I mean, maybe even an introduction of a new hero. Who knows? Oh, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, wow, that would be awesome. Hey, man, you know, if you're going to go, go big. That's what I say. <laughs> go long. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Facebook page, uh, we've got a lot going on with the cap madness uh, bracket. The 32 Captain America artists, we've gotten through round one. We are almost through round two. So today uh, we started at noon, Frank Robbins versus John Romita Sr. And you have until noon tomorrow to uh, cast your vote for that. Frank Robbins, by the way, knocked out John Romita Jr. in round one. I think his dad's going to have a little payback. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow we've got Dan Jurgens versus Jack Kirby. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the lineup that's the way it, it is, is yeah you know? so someone change had to get last, jack change your last name and then tuesday tuesday is the last day of round two and who do we have we have chris samney who i really like i do yeah versus mike zach yeah. and uh you're gonna see a very sad man on wednesday if uh if zach doesn't make it so uh, I have a feeling Zach's going to make it through. I, it's just, I, you know, I'm no Krushkin, but, uh, but something tells me. I think it's going to be Zach versus Kirby yeah. in the final. I, that's, that's what I think. And you know what? I'll be happy with that. You know, if he, if he gets to number two, I'll be, I'll be pleased. Yeah. Uh, but that's a lot of fun. Go vote. Go talk about why you're voting. Uh, you know, that's, that's always a lot of fun uh, sharing your passion for what artists you like. Um, and then, uh, Coming up on the next couple of podcasts. Uh, so this Wednesday, uh, we have episode 25 drops. And we're going to be talking about a fan favorite story for many of us. And that is the Captain and the John Walker saga from 332 to 350, uh, which was back in 1987 to 1989. And the reason we're talking about it is because uh, we're having our contest winner, Mr. James Foley on. And uh, we'll learn a little bit about him and what got him into cap uh, some of his favorites. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this story and that's going to be cool. Uh, it's going to be just three guys like we're at the comic shop chatting away, having some laughs, talking about brother nature. Oh, I love brother nature. Steve Rogers beard. <laughs> um, and uh, just just a little bit about uh, how the uh, teenage Rick, Bob, and James maybe uh, liked Kieran Dwyer's depiction of uh, scantily clad uh, women in the in the Captain America series. Uh, maybe a little bit of that too. So uh, look forward to that. And then uh, then come back, like I said, next Sunday. Uh, we'll we'll recap episode five. So, uh, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. Yeah, another another great one in the can. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's do it again soon. All right, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. <laughs> Thank you.